Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. On the evening of December 8, 1980, John Lennon, formerly of the Beatles, left his residence at the Dakota in New York City. He was approached by a fan, Mark David Chapman. Chapman approached Lennon and handed him a copy of Double Fantasy for an autograph, to which the musician politely obliged before heading off to the recording studio. Later that night, Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, returned to the Dakota. Little did they know, Mark David Chapman had never left. He waited, lurking in the shadows with a 38 Special loaded with hollow-point ammunition. A religious fanatic, incensed by Lennon's 1966 comment that the Beatles were, quote, more popular than Jesus. As the unsuspecting couple passed, Chapman stepped out behind them, pointed the pistol at the musician, and fired five shots, four of which striking John in the back. Lennon was rushed to the Roosevelt Hospital in a police car, where he was pronounced dead on arrival. Mark David Chapman didn't flee the crime scene. He sat on the curb, reading Catcher in the Rye, and waited for police to arrest him. When the doorman shouted to Chapman, asking him if he knew what he had done, the shooter replied coldly, I just shot John Lennon. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories. Celebrity Ghosts. John Lennon. John Winston Lennon was born on October 9, 1940, in Liverpool, England, to Julia and Alfred Lennon. His father was often away from home, but sent money regularly to 9 Newcastle Road in Liverpool, where Lennon lived with his mother. But the checks stopped when he went absent without leave in February of 1944. When he eventually came home six months later, he offered to look after the family, but Julia, by then pregnant with another man's child, rejected the idea. In addition to the absence of his father, the abandonment was compounded by the neglect of his mother. It got so bad that John's aunt Mimi ended up stepping in and raising him herself for the most part. John's interest in music started at a young age. Although he lived with his aunt, his mother would visit from time to time, introducing him to Elvis Presley records and teaching him how to play the banjo. In 1956, she bought him his first guitar. 
a Galatone champion acoustic that she lent John five pounds and ten shillings on the condition that the guitar be kept in her house and not Mimi's, knowing her sister was not particularly supportive of John's musical aspirations. Mimi would tell him the guitar was all well and good, but he was never going to make any money playing it. Two years later, on July 15, 1958, Julia Lennon would be struck and killed by a car while walking home. This traumatized the teenage Lennon, sending him into a blind rage of drinking and fighting. At the age of 15, Lennon formed a group called the Quarrymen, named after Quarry Brink High School. He first met Paul McCartney at the Quarrymen's second performance, where he asked McCartney to join the band. He agreed and recommended that his friend George Harrison be considered for the lead guitarist. Lennon thought Harrison, who was 14 at the time, too young, but McCartney set up an audition where Harrison blew John away and was subsequently asked to join. Stuart Sutcliffe later joined the band as the bassist, and in 1960, the band became known as The Beatles. But there was not immediate success. There's a dark part of the story that began that same year. In Joseph Nisgoda's book, The Lennon Prophecy, the author deep dives into John Lennon and the Beatles' interest in the occult and Satanism. Nisgoda starts his book with the well-known remark Lennon made to his friend Tony Sheridan in the mid-1960s, quote, I've sold my soul to the devil. Now, the obvious reaction to a statement like that would be that he meant it metaphorically, but Nisgoda doesn't think so, and he spent 15 years researching it. On December 27, 1960, the 20-year-old wannabe rock star and his mediocre band, not so different from so many others at the time, stepped out onto the stage of the Town Hall Ballroom in Litherland, England. During that legendary performance, the band evoked a response from the crowd noticeably different from anything in their past. The crowd rushed the stage, and girls started to scream. It never happened before, and it would always happen again. It was the beginning of Beatlemania. All four have noted that this night was the turning point of their careers. The theory is that, days before the show, Lennon himself, and possibly other members as well, entered a 20-year pact with the devil for wealth and world fame in exchange for his soul. Lennon was famously quoted saying that he was desperate to be more famous than Elvis. 20 years later, in December of 1980, the devil would come to collect through Mark David Chapman. John Lennon may have died in 1980, but many swear his soul lingers behind, and a few claim to have even witnessed his irrepressible spirit themselves. In 1983, Joey Harrow and Amanda Moores, two residents of the Dakota where John Lennon was gunned down three years prior, saw John standing in the doorway where he had been assassinated. Amanda said he was surrounded by an eerie light. At first, she began to approach to talk to him, but something about the look in his eyes made her think otherwise. Yoko Ono also witnessed the ghostly image of her husband in the apartment they once shared. Seated at the grand piano, he turned to his wife and comforted her with the words, Don't be afraid, I'm still with you. In 1977, John Lennon wrote and recorded the song, Free as a Bird. Fifteen years after his death, the three surviving Beatles, Paul, George, and Ringo, all gathered together to add their voices to the track. As they were recording, all three claimed to have felt the presence of John, even claiming to hear his name as the song faded out. But it was the photo shoot after that shocked everyone. While he was alive, John promised his son that when he passed away, he would send a sign that he was still watching over. The sign 
would be a white feather. As the photographer snapped the photo, a rare white peacock wandered into the shot, much to the amusement of the three remaining bandmates. Paul McCartney later stated, I said to the other guys, That's John. Spooky, eh? It was like John was hanging around. We felt that all the way through the recording. In 1966, John received a letter from a psychic warning him that he would be shot while living in the United States. This kicked off an interest in spiritualism and the occult, and he even began attending numerous seances. In 1969, while visiting Greece, he was warned that he would be assassinated on an island. Assuming the astrologer was referring to a Greek island, he canceled the rest of the trip and flew home. Years after his death, Yoko Ono concluded that the island the astrologer must have been referring to was in fact Long Island. John Lennon spent much of his life trying to avoid the premonition of his assassination, but despite the numerous warnings, he wasn't able to avoid his inexorable fate by the hands of a lone gunman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another celebrity haunting side content episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I am joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. So when I get reincarnated, when I come back, I hope I get to pick the animal and it's not just like a random ass peacock or something. Yeah, if I were to pick an animal, it would not be a peacock. Also joined by Dave, the peacock of Hometown Ghost Stories. Welcome into it. <laughs> That's right. Very, very proud. And a peacock is a pretty regal animal. I feel like if you're gonna be if you're you know, if you don't get to pick your animal, I mean that's not exactly like the worst hand. It's, yeah, I mean yeah, it's, it's of, not the worst. It's just like, I mean, it's down the it's down the list. I want to yeah. be one of the kangaroos that sits in the lake <laughs> and lures its victims yeah. and and drowns them in the pond. That's what I want to be. Sorry, that's that's where I'm going. Yeah, it wouldn't be my first choice, but you know, it had white feathers, and that was part of the. Uh, part of the story so it was it well was. haunted john lennon we had haunted elvis now we have haunted john lennon no mentions of uh uh manson in this episode no so manson was um very much after the fact obviously but um he well not not really i guess but um yeah i mean manson was just a super fan he just had nothing to do with the story but he, he did have nothing to do with the story but <clears throat> i'm sure we'll eventually talk about manson uh, but that has nothing to do with this. So Beatlemania, uh, the assassination just seemed like a super dick move. Well, yeah, usually it is. Uh, <laughs> usually it's a dick just on, on such like a stupid comment. Like, I get it if you're religious, but you don't go. I mean, what's less religious, right? <laughs> Saying that about a band or going out and murdering someone. Something <laughs> tells me that even... With all things, when all things are said and done, one guy's probably in hell, and that's probably the murderer, right? <laughs> exactly. There were um, 
some interviews with Mark David Chapman after the fact. And he was, you know, they asked him like, what was it like? Cause he met John Lennon. And like, what was it like? And he was saying like, he was really surprised by how like nice and friendly John was and how personable he was and how he was just totally okay. Like signing the, you know, signing the picture for him and or signing the album for him and whatnot. And he's just like, yeah. And then, and then I shot him, <laughs> which it's like the scene from once upon a time in Mexico, or if that was the movie with uh, yeah, I know, Johnny Depp, Depp yeah. where the whole movie, he's just trying to find like that perfect Mexican dish. And then he finds a restaurant that finally has it. And he's like, when I find it, I'm going to kill the chef to, you know, keep a balance. And he did. <laughs> and then the, the, the best, that. best part of that was Antonio Banderas takes a seat and tries the food and just spits it out. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> like it's not even that good. <laughs> but yeah, just, what, a, what a nice, yeah. What a nice guy, you know, signed my record for me. Like, what was the point of that? I guess, I mean, shit, did that thing go up for auction? Cause I guarantee you that record sold for a ton of money if it did. The, so, oh, the record maybe, that, he yeah, saw, right? that he signed. Oh man. Let's I look bet. into that. Yeah. I'd look into that. But um, yeah, I mean, John Lennon had a pretty tough upbringing from what I was reading about him. So you know, he was born in 1940 to Julianne Alfred and the dad left early, but he came back when John was five and he took John away um, secretly intending to bring him away to New Zealand. So John's mother, Julia, she follows, she follows him with her new boyfriend and a huge argument breaks out and Alfred forces five-year-old John Lennon to choose between him and Julia. So he actually chose his dad twice, but as his mother started walking away, he started crying and following her and he ended up staying with her. But um, she ended up also to just not be a great mother. So she definitely still like cared about John, but she just wasn't great in that mother that mothership role. So that's why he ended up living with his aunt um, who was the mother's sister, but like just a Trump, like a traumatic experience like that when you're five is going to, is really going to set the, you know, the table for you to be, not have a, a great upbringing. Well, traumatic childhoods usually create great musicians. And not that, always doesn't have to be the case, but there seems to be a lot of dark history with a lot of these, uh, very, very successful musicians. Uh, that record did go up for auction two years ago. It uh, started at four hundred and fifty thousand dollars and was expected to sell for one point five million. I don't know how much it actually sold for, but that is about what I was expecting it to be around. Is in the million dollar range for a signed record, but it is the signed record, the final signed record. I would guess, unless he signed any when he went out in a boat before he and, got shot. Well, the most day. significant one we can say. I mean, oh, for sure. Yep. No matter how many more he signed before or after, the significance of that one is like. Uh, monumental so yeah and i'm sure john lennon autograph is worth a ton of money as is because it's not like you have these auctioned houses doing these signed memorabilia things as frequently as they do now so they probably didn't exist as much or you know also things getting destroyed um being able to authenticate it so yeah it is also the only reason to buy that piece of shit album (laughs) <laughs> it's the one that he did with him and him and Yoko did together. And just, oh, is it that one? Yeah. Yeah, just her screeching along with all the tracks. Fucking unlistenable. But um yeah. I haven't listened to it, but now I'm going to. So that's, <laughs> my, that's on my Spotify playlist for tomorrow. Yeah, it's not just a side quest this into the Beatles themselves. I was like I never thought I was a Beatles fan. And like I guess if you don't really focus on who the Beatles are, you just end up realizing you like more Beatles songs and not realizing they're from the Beatles. Um, oh, yeah. I'm so that's, you know, that's the you thing know what about, I mean? That's the I'm thing sure. about the Beatles is like, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'll let you jump in in a second, Dave. But the is what made them super unique. And I'm not a huge Beatles fan either. Like I, I don't go out of my way to listen to them, but I respect them musically because no two songs sound the same. Every song sounds so different. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm no Beatles guy, but I do music, but I always, all of my songs kind of sound the same. Like all of the hometown ghost stories, theme music kind of has the same feeling to it. And that's because usually artists have that signature sound. And while they certainly fit into a genre, there was not even that two songs sounded like there wasn't a single motif or riff or guitar riff in one song that sounded the same as one from another song. And that's how creative they were. It's unbelievable the way that these bands can form and the way that they evolve in the creative process that goes into making unbelievably unique sounds. But that goes to what you were just saying was like, you've heard songs where like, Oh, I didn't even know that was the Beatles. That's because it doesn't sound anything like their other songs, which is what made them very special. Right. Well, they had such a broad, like spectrum of music. Like you had their pop songs that were, you know, bubbly and, you know, jumpy and whatnot. But, and then they had like their heavier stuff like Helter Skelter and just like to go from one to the other is like, I understand what you're saying. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to like imagine that like that's those two sounds came from that same band. Yeah, it's the same I band. am a huge Beatles fan. Um, so, but the, um, so to just to clarify one thing in the beginning, when I said, um, you know, uh, nobody uh, want to be rock star with, that was an actual quote from the book. That wasn't me saying that about the band. I actually do very much like the Beatles, but um, it had a cool origin story. I mean, most bands do. Um, the Freddie Mercury story was was cool. I don't know if either guys saw that movie, but the way the, that the that, movie that was absolutely all dog shit lies. Yeah, I saw that movie. Well, was the part about how he got into the band correct? Because that no. was the only part that I'm referring to. No. Okay, then never mind. No, that wasn't right either. That you know, whole movie. You know, lies. you know, it wasn't lies. Was that final performance when um, it was like the AIDS benefit. Yeah. Uh, concert or whatever and they yep. did that final performance that was so spot on to the original performance the way he like every they he must have studied the hell out of that because every movement that he made the way he sat down the timing that that he drank his beer was th- like spitting image absolutely irrelevant to the story but uh, but it, even if that movie was complete bullshit at least they got that they knocked the hell out of that scene for sure yeah so what's not completely irrelevant to this story is the last celebrity haunting episode that we did on Elvis. These two, you can kind of draw a couple of parallels between the two. Number one is Elvis was a huge inspiration for John. And number two is there were rumors of Elvis selling his soul for the devil to get as famous as he, as he did. Same with John Lennon. I think the John Lennon one carries a little more weight than the Elvis, the Elvis one, but mm-hmm. the, the, the reaction um, after the quote unquote sale of the soul is also very similar where you had Beatlemania and you had whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They called it for Elvis, where he's just people are fainting and just mm-hmm. they can't, you know, they and with the with the um, with the Beatles and people just surging the stage and people losing their mind, like in the in a way that it used to also happen with Elvis. It didn't happen until after this alleged deal with the devil went down. 
So the Pact with the Devil was made before the show, maybe a couple of weeks before, which was December 27th, 1960. Uh, so a couple weeks prior on a bridge, John makes a 20-year Pact with the Devil. So that's 20 years that he has to be famous beyond worldly imaginings. Not to try to debunk it, but where is the story coming from? It's coming, it's coming from a different... So number one, it's um, legend, basically. And number two is John was quoted one time by a friend of his who says that I, he said, I sold my soul to the devil before that show. It was, but did, he say, did he say it was on a bridge though? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold you on. I'm just I, saying, I, I'm just saying like, like the, okay. It happened on a bridge. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I wasn't there. This is 1960. So an unnecessary added element is, is that it was on a bridge. Not unnecessary for you because you're relaying what you have read about. I'm Let him saying, finish like, the whoever, damn story. Whoever Jesus. decided to like spice up the story, be like, "Ooh, and it happened on a bridge." They should have gone with under the bridge though, because that'd have been even more creepy. But yeah, because it happened on a bridge, and that was just where that's just where the story came from. That's where he did it. So let's go knows? with under a bridge. People are people added the on the bridge. No, We're gonna go, be, let's go with under the bridge. No, that's Red Hot Chili Peppers, not the Beatles. Dave, please oh, continue your story. Right, we'll save that for the side content Red Hot Chili Peppers episode where they sold their soul to the devil. <laughs> so the uh, so the deal was for twenty years, and that's an important detail because this happened December twenty seventh, or the week prior to you know a couple weeks prior to this, the twenty seventh in nineteen sixty. So December nineteen sixty, twenty years later is December nineteen eighty. That's when he was shot by Mark David Chapman. Mm-hmm. So the dates um, line up. Which is they do. which is creepy. So the other thing, which I already mentioned, was um, that it didn't it didn't happen after this deal that Beatlemania started happening. Before that, nobody cared about this band. They were nobodies. Um, so that is very strange. That all of a sudden they're like, "Wait, we do like this, and we're crazy about it, and we're going to rush the stage." They didn't change their sound. They didn't change anything. They just and they didn't sound anything different from other local bands at that time. You know. It wasn't like Elvis who had like yeah. the whole different, yet a different, mm-hmm. you know, delivery and everything. There's yeah. nothing that separates before I can't, and after. I can't remember if this was a documentary that I saw about the Beatles or if it was a different band, but the story with this one was kind of almost the same where it's like what changed and all the only change that happened was the drummer at the beginning of their show. And again, I don't, I'm not entirely sure if this is about the Beatles, but I think it was. And who was the original drummer for the, for the Beatles? Was it Ringo or was it someone else? No, it was not Ringo. It was uh, Pete Best. Yeah, and then they eventually switched. Ringo, right? Ringo came in two years later in 1962. Okay. So I'm pretty sure the way that this story goes, and I might be talking about a different band, was when the show started, all of a sudden the drummer started playing like 20 beats per minute faster than he was supposed to. And he was just playing way too fast, and he just wouldn't stop. And they're <laughs> like, all right, screw it. We're just going to go at this tempo. And then as soon as they all jumped in and started playing at that tempo, the crowd's like, what the hell is this? Let's dance. And they started going kind of crazy. So I might be talking about a completely different band, but that sounds like a possibility of why the crowd's like, wait, I haven't heard this before. Okay, I can dig this. You know, like everything else was kind of slow and melancholy before that. And then all of a sudden you get this nice upbeat track out of nowhere because the drummer was just on Coke that day or something. And they started going nuts, you know? Maybe it was nerves. That could have been. I don't know whether or not it was or wasn't. But um, what I do know is that um, this particular show was the kickoff of that. The other thing is um, the Litherland gig also marks the beginning of John Lennon's avowedly anti-Christian behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to biographies, there were a multitude of profane acts Lennon carried out publicly with no apparent purpose other than just to bash Christianity. Other so, than the fact that he sold his soul to the devil under a bridge. That's um, exactly, on the bridge. That's, that's the point. It was on the, the bridge. bridge. <laughs> 
the other bridge <laughs> within a quarter mile in a, in a McDonald's parking lot a quarter mile away from the bridge. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so that the other thing is that building that he lived in, right? What's the name of that building again? Do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, it's the um, where is it here? The one in New York. Yeah, it's in New York. It is the most like prestigious building. The Dakota building. In, the Dakota building. So I was actually, it's funny you bring this up because I was watching like a quick documentary on the Dakota building and just the people that live there and the people that have been, um, you have to go through this process to get in there, to live there. You can't just, a place doesn't just open and you apply and say, I want this apartment or condo or whatever. You have to go through this vetting process to get into this building. And it is like the elite of the elite and plenty of people like famous names. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but like Tom Cruise level, like people John Lennon that, level, John Lennon level that they did not let move in there, that they would not let have the place. I think Madonna, list, I think a Madonna list of people them. who have sold their soul to the devil, like Tom Cruise, Madonna and John Lennon. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are the, um, like, how do they enforce that? Cause I mean, there's like, I, I gotta imagine there's like red line. I mean, other than like, it costs a million dollars a month to live there or something, but like, that's like redlining laws. Like you can't just not really, really, really strong bouncers. Yeah, probably. They got, uh, they got UFC Dave's out front, just ready. No chance. No <laughs> chance they have anyone that strong. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know the exact process. It was actually something I was going to look into because I was wondering if there was a haunted history behind this building. I just thought it was interesting that it intersected with this story that you're bringing up. Yeah, so this this building, while we're on it, is super haunted. So uh, the ghost of John Lennon is without a doubt uh, the most well-known spirit to haunt the mm-hmm. building, but he's not the only one. So there's a number of other ghosts uh, that that live there. Uh, and one of the most frequently cited ones is the woman seen walking the hallways crying. And she was the property manager from the Dakota of the Dakota from the 1930s to 1950s. She suffered a tremendous amount of pain while at the Dakota because her young son was killed uh, being hit by a passing truck right outside oh. of the building. So the strong emotional pain Elise endured here is thought to have imprinted on the building and caused her spirit to make an unfortunate attachment to its walls. So that's one of them. Another one is uh, prompted by a young girl. She's been described as having blonde hair and sporting a bright yellow dress while playing innocently with a red ball. That's another one. That's going to be one of those uh, ghost bingo ones right yeah, there. Yeah, put that the, one on the checklist. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost kid with the ball. Uh, and also the spirit of Edward Cabot Clark. He is the man responsible for the structure. So I can't stop punching this thing. Yeah, you should probably not punch your microphone anymore. I'm sorry to all the listeners that it's are like hearing. three or four times now I've, I've done it. They're, so. hearing, they're hearing Dave's dog shit connection, and then he's just punching yeah. it back to life. Yeah. Every time you punch it, it seems to work better, so that's good. <laughs> uh, that's awesome that the building is haunted because uh, that definitely adds to it. It's also like one of the creepier-looking buildings in New York. Um, I actually thought it was the same building uh, as we just did an episode on Doris Duke. It looks slightly like uh, the Doris Duke's apartment in New York, but this one has much more gables and much more like a gothic look. So it's definitely got that creepy, this place is definitely haunted look to it. This is a, uh, but the, yeah, the Dakota building definitely looks haunted. So I'm glad there's some actual ghost stories tied to it. Has and then John's- oh, go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. We got I, was gonna, I was going to ask you if London's ghost has been seen elsewhere. Uh, seen so sort of or, so, yes. It's been so, felt at the, it was felt at the studio that they were recording the song at, right? There was an interview with 
um, Paul McCartney. I was going to include this, but it was, I thought it was kind of lame. Um, but during the interview, there's this like weird blue like line and it's not like a, it's not like a, like a TV line type of thing, but it's like a, a weird, just a weird blue thing that came over the screen. And the, uh, the um, interviewer was like, Whoa, what, that was weird. And, uh, that's, he's like, well, that might've been the ghost of John, uh, ghost of John right there. And, and McCartney was like, yeah, probably was. He does it all the time. Just leave it. So, uh, well, that's can, interesting because they're not watching it from a TV monitor, right? So they must have seen it in person. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah. If they mention it, I mean, they're, yeah, they're not yeah. seeing what you're seeing on the TV. Yeah, screen. Weird, but no, it doesn't, like I was saying, it doesn't look like a TV glitch. It looks like a weird, like, blue light type of thing that comes, up, comes across. Right. So uh, my, fir- my first reaction is that's something that the cameras pick it up on. And as we know from, like, ghost investigations and stuff like that, most of the stuff that we see, we see after the fact in the footage. That's something that they saw in person. Yeah. Go and check the fact video, that, if you yeah. if you if you YouTube uh, John Lennon's ghost, it's the one with the interview of, of uh, Paul McCartney. But cool, you can check that cool. out. And then, so now to answer your question, uh, I mentioned it earlier, but Yoko Ono witnessed um, the image of her husband in the apartment, and he turned to her and said, "Don't be afraid. I'm still with you." That sounds like something you'd say to make someone afraid. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's much more scary. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then like, um, if, I, if I were the ghost and I was trying not to scare my wife, I would say, don't be afraid. I'm going away. Not I'm st- I'm still going to haunt you. I'm going to haunt you right. forever. Don't worry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Fear um, not. This one's probably yeah. this one's this one's probably the most important one. So Julian Lennon, uh, he was in Australia and he was either viewing or participating in an Aboriginal ceremony with the indigenous people there. And during the ceremony, one of the chiefs randomly approached Julian and just pre- presented him with a white feather and walked away. Oh, oh wow. So that was, um, for, for him, that was like big. He's like, he's like, there's not a doubt in my mind that that was from, you know, my dad. All right. Yeah. That's, that's, cool. that's wild. That's a, it's a pretty interesting story all around for his, like just from the selling his soul to all the different, like, cause it's not just like a ghost itself there's a lot of different interpretations of his ghost showing itself right between the feather or the blue lines and everything so a little Very bit true. different which is the cool peacock, yeah. yeah yeah exactly i thought this one was pretty cool and any anytime you get me with the uh you know the satanic angle i find that stuff interesting um and the, these guys were like well known for being like in into the occult with mm-hmm. their you know they're big into the uh transcendental meditation so they uh, they were just well known to be like into the occult. So right. it's not super far fetched for me to believe that one of them made a deal with the devil. Yeah, for sure. That, that's where I drew the connection with um, with Charles Manson, and that's why I was kind of surprised that there wasn't a connection there. But the uh, obviously that's not out of their wheelhouse to deal with the occult and cults. So it's uh, uh, right. Well, definitely the, the Charles Manson thing. He didn't really have anything to do with the Beatles, other than just being a super fan and being a psychic, a psychopath separately. Yeah, I don't know. They just had nothing to do with each other. No, the okay. only the only band that Charles Manson actually intersected with was the Beach Boys. Surprisingly, I'm even getting those mixed up. Yeah, it was one of the brothers. It's the whole thing. We'll get into it at some point. He wrote a crazy letter to Marilyn Manson. Did you see that? No, that's that's worth though. that's worth looking up. <laughs> I'm sure it's amazing. Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to hit on on John Lennon here? No, I think we covered all of the uh, the crazy stuff that happened. Oh, well, actually, there was one there was one thing, and this, this, the author of this book, uh, he's go to he um, he went pretty into detail about like 
the satanic ties mm-hmm. to um and there's one album brought up in particular and it was the album cover from the Beatles Yesterday and Today, which was released in 1966, but was originally banned in the United States because of how graphic and vile the cover was. And uh, he says it literally shouts that the so-called Fab Four were involved in Satanism, uh, called the quote-unquote butcher cover. In it, the Beatles pose in butcher smocks with raw meat, eyeballs, and decapitated babies draped over their laps and shoulders. And if you uh, look it up, you can get a look at that, and it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty wild <laughs> that they um, that they would, uh, and it's, it's obvious that why this was banned in the United States in the '60s because you know, right? This is right yeah, after I'm, the time you, wait, you wiggle your you wiggle your hips a little bit, um, and you know, you're getting banned from radio talk shows. But <laughs> yeah, the um, you'll look it up, and the the actual album cover isn't as um, horrifying as I just described because it's like just it's clearly just dolls and whatnot, but. Not something I would have expected to see from the Beatles. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up a bigger image. I mean, maybe you can overlay the image on the screen. Yeah, I can see why, I can see why at the time that it would have gotten banned. This would be light work in today's albums covers. Like the, oh, for sure. We laughed at by the death metal community here. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I can see why it didn't fly. Cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. That was a, anytime we can uh, mix in some musicians. But I, I would say this one's probably uh, more likely... I'll just get a little goth. goth speaking speaking goth of the animals, I don't want to get reincarnated as that's <laughs> just so the audio listeners know. My dog is laying upside down with uh, all points of his body just pointed towards the sky. It's amazing, <laughs> right? Um, so between this and Elvis, in terms of selling your soul to the devil, I would say this one probably has more credibility to it, just because they have people that. Uh, backed up the claim that actually were connected with them. And I don't know if there was anybody that was connected with Elvis that actually claimed that he sold his soul to the devil. Was there, Rob? That you know um, not that I knew of, but the other thing that I would bring up for John Lennon is he met he met a violent end as well, right? So he did. Where we always talk about like the recipes for hauntings, it's unfinished business, it's violent ends, and, and this matches that to a T. Like this, right? Is, yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. saying that that takes away from him actually possibly haunting. Right? No, I was just saying of the two between him and Elvis, it sounds like there's, it's more likely that John perhaps did, or the Beatles actually did have um, a deal well, with John. So John, the difference I think is that John Lennon and the Beatles were into the occult and right. they're anti-religious and so. anti-religious and or Elvis was, was very religious and right. to the point where he ended his first marriage because he was so like religious and by the books and go to church and stuff that his first wife was like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. Right. You know? So I think that it would be unlikely for him to enter into a deal with the devil. Indeed. Right. Uh, what do you guys think? Is uh, John Lennon's ghost haunting? Do I, I like, I like it. I like it for a haunting. I do. I, I don't think, I, and none of the, um, the ghost sightings are, are like stand out as being like that you know, persuasive for me, except mm-hmm. for Julian Lennon in Australia. That one, that one was pretty good. Yeah. The feather thing seems legit. Do I think his ghost is still haunting anywhere? I don't, I don't think so. It seemed like it was like a few instances where like he was letting loved ones know that he was still there and maybe he's moved on since then. That would be my take on it. Unless there are still locations that claim that they still see John Lennon's ghost. Yeah. I think, I think like it's, it's a good story. And again, we just talked about the violent end. So 
there could be hauntings that we don't even know about or equate to him at the moment yet. So I, I think it's definitely possible. Well, for a cool $1.5 million, you could buy that record and see if the record is haunted. Who knows? No, I'll just go to the spot that, you know, everything went down and see if we can find anything there. That's what well, I you start. Do. You start there before spending $1.5 million, but it would be right. a cool item to own. It would <laughs> that's be. for sure. And who knows what it would sell for today. I think that got auctioned off like two years ago. Right. But that's that. So uh, anything else you guys want to touch on on Lennon? Oh, I think so. Cool. Well, we'll be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. And for next week, make sure you get yourself ready by watching the horror movie that we're going to watch, which is X. 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 Don't give it to you. Mm, the, uh, what year did it come out? It was recent, right? 2022. Ah, okay. So very recent. Um, yeah, so still relevant. Look for it. It's just the letter X and catch up so you can also join in on the horror movie review with us and uh, that way you're not getting all those spoilers and stuff and you can enjoy it thoroughly with that being said gentlemen shall we call it a night we shall we shall all right we'll see you next time catch you on tuesday peace